It's a really, really tough one. And yet my research and personal experience has shown that we can't really reach gratitude in a really deep sense unless we also look at where we're feeling resentful. So it doesn't, it, 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 we, we have, we naturally have gratitude and resentment living in our lives all the time, unless you're a really holy, saint, saintly person. And, um, but, but if you're trying to really practice gratitude, if you have underlying resentment, that's the thing that can really take your gratitude away. And often resentment, like you're saying, resentment has the stronger pull. So even though we're trying to be grateful, it's actually resentment that is, is really getting in the way. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach, and I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, it's Julie Boyer, and I'm so excited that you're here for this episode of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. My guest today is Dr. Carrie Howells, and she is a leader in gratitude research, teaching, and practice. I am absolutely honored to share this conversation with you. I truly appreciate how Dr. Carrie and I get really into the weeds about gratitude, and we talk about how to be grateful while you feel resentment. And this is a topic that has not been explored on the podcast yet. She is an incredible expert in this area, and I really felt like she was encouraging my own gratitude work as we were doing this podcast together. We talk a great deal about the work she shares in her book, Untangling You, How Can I Be Grateful When I Feel So Resentful? We also talk about how we can wake up grateful when we're feeling resentful. Dr. Carey also talks about how her research has helped her as an educator and how the work of gratitude can help us all to become better human beings. This feels like an episode you're going to want to listen to two or three times. One last thing before we get into the episode is I'm wondering if you and I are connected on TikTok yet. I know, I know, you might be thinking that I'm far too old to be on TikTok, but I'm having a lot of fun there and I've made a lot of new friends. So if you're looking for more content around gratitude, a little bit of fitness inspiration and some cold ocean dipping, please find me at Wake Up With Gratitude on TikTok. Hello and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boye, and today I'm welcoming Dr. Carrie Howells all the way from Hobart, Tasmania, Australia. Hello, my friend. Hello, Julie. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. Friends, I am thrilled to have uh, Dr. Carrie with us today. She is an author, an award-winning educator, an experienced researcher. In fact, she has spent over 25 years researching, 
teaching, and practicing gratitude. Now, her latest book is called Untangling You. How can I be grateful when I feel so resentful? I cannot wait to dive into that topic. And what really excites me is that she is one of the world leading experts when it comes to the research on gratitude, really understanding gratitude and the deep gratitude practices and the effect they have on our life. And I'm just so excited to get into this conversation with you, but I love starting the podcast, hearing a little bit of your story because to be honest, the field of gratitude and research is pretty small. So I'm curious, you know, what brought you into this world of gratitude? Yes. Good question, Julie. (laughs) Going back over 25 years ago, I was, uh, my, my, my research area is actually uh, philosophy of education. And I was teaching a course on philosophy to a group of university students and they, I was very excited about the fact that they were learning this course and they were really um, stuck in the opposite of gratitude. So they were really full of complaint and dissatisfaction. So they'd arrive to uni in their beautiful cars and coming back from their club med holidays and and, um, I was kind of slumped over coming into my class. And I was, you know, we were at stalemate because I was really teaching very enthusiastically and I thought very engagingly. And they just didn't want to come to the party. So mm. in the end, I just stopped and I listened to, to them about what they were ha- having problems with. And I recognised that they actually didn't weren't aware that their attitude to their learning was actually affecting their capacity to be in the present moment with me and their learning. And so that really was a very big wake-up call to me because I was kind of throwing them with content, but they actually weren't even prepared in their being for that content to actually land. So I developed a whole theory around that that notion that students need to be in a state of prepared, what I call a state of preparedness, before they can actually learn what we're trying to teach them. And also, I didn't realise that they had never been educated in this, even though they were at university. So that that posed a really important problem for me. And then that became my PhD. And I, I, I used this class as a, as a kind of um, case study, not this particular class, but classes afterwards. But when they started learning with gratitude, where we just developed these ad hoc um examples of gratitude because there wasn't anything around at that time Mm -hmm. they started to really respond really positively and they really loved learning more about it so I just ended up putting in exercises before we even began with the content getting them into this state of preparedness with gratitude and the results were really phenomenal and people around me who also were teaching the same group of students we're noticing changes and so the dean asked me to introduce a course, a whole course, not, not only on gratitude but a whole lot of other things for yeah. potentially for, for failing students and students who weren't really, who were struggling. And as a result of that, that, that just became a really great kind of opportunity for me to explore the role of gratitude in my research and, and the results have been really wonderful 
And then I recognized that my own gratitude, my own lack of gratitude had an impact on my students. So it wasn't only the gratitude they brought to the learning situation, it was actually the teacher's gratitude. So then I developed a whole kind of approach for teachers and started researching that. And then the teachers would say, yeah, but it's not just our gratitude, it's the leader's gratitude. So then I started developing a whole approach and research on the leader's leader's gratitude. Wow. And then organisations started to recognise that that this research on leaders' gratitude would make a big impact. And so then, um, even though I'm not a sporty person and I'm the least sporty person you could actually imagine, I was given a project out of the blue by the Australian Olympic Committee, uh, uh, the Australian Institute of Sport, to research gratitude in the context of elite athletes and their coaches. So that took me into another really wonderful domain. And then uh, before that, though, I was approached by uh, an oncologist who listened to one of my talks on gratitude because he really noticed the difference between his patients when they're practice when they're grateful versus resentful and so we've also been doing a project on the role of gratitude in the end of life care for cancer patients so it's really broadened (laughs) wow oh my goodness I I, you know I read I've read your bio you know we had a conversation ahead of time I've looked at the you know I know this is not your first book you know you did your first publication book was around education and gratitude correct Yes. Mm, yes. Yeah. It's a good book called Gratitude and Education, A Radical View. And I, I love that you started this research in one place and it kept growing in different directions. And what I think mm-hmm. is so incredible about gratitude as a practice is that it does apply to everybody in every situation. If there's a way yes. to find a way to practice gratitude in whatever situation you are. So I am though very interested to talk a little bit about this this work that you're doing around you know end of life and like the question from your book is how can I be grateful when I feel so resentful I feel like mm. you know one of the things that I like to say um is that gratitude and grief can live in the same house right that they're not exclusive things so when I was reading about your book and the work that you're doing I'd love to hear more about this because yeah, I actually, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, how exactly? Cause I find resentful. That's a being in that place. It's a tough one to, to find mm-hmm. gratitude in that place. It's a really, really tough one. And yet my research and ex- personal experience has shown that we can't really reach gratitude in a really deep sense, unless we also look at where we're feeling resentful so it doesn't it, it, we we have we naturally have gratitude and resentment living in our lives all the time unless you're a really holy saint, saintly person and um but but if you're trying to really practice gratitude if you have underlying resentment that's the thing that can really take your gratitude away and often resentment like you're saying resentment has the stronger pull so even though we're trying to be grateful, it's actually resentment that is is really getting in the way. And I think for end-of-life care as a really typical example, especially for young people and their parents where all their expectations were broken and their, their sense of hope for a future has been taken away, then the natural 
response to that is resentment. So to come in and say, oh, what about gratitude? And even in a clinical sense is really disrespectful of the natural response. So my book is acknowledging the dilemmas around asking people to give up their resentment and, and suggesting that even though it seems counterintuitive, the complete opposite of resentment is gratitude. So if we can actually find a way of loosening up our resentment, we can move towards gratitude. But equally so, if we can practice more gratitude, even if it's somewhere out, completely outside the situation, that's better to look for it there than in the pain itself. Yeah. Then that can actually also loosen the hold of resentment. I'm taking a moment to just think about what you just shared there because I feel like it's a like a, a big sort of moment of recognition I think a little bit in my own life too and you know what you said there about part of the difficulty sometimes of really deepening that gratitude is because we're still hanging on to some resentment I think Mm -hmm. it speaks true in my own life for sure and I imagine I'm not alone and I imagine that that's why that you've come across this in your work right you're at this point Mm -hmm. where you're like okay where are we here? So tell me a little bit about, you know, some of this process, like what are we doing as we're, and not necessarily we're end of life, you know, we may not be in that place, but how do we start to move from that place? And, you know, is it just that we're practicing gratitude over here about what other things, like what exactly are we, what kind of practices are we doing? Well, I think the first thing is to practice gratitude somewhere where you can because that gives you the resilience and strength and courage and optimism to then start looking at your resentment. So that's a number one. But again, to really emphasize not not in the resent not in the thing itself that's really difficult, not in the eye of the storm, right. somewhere outside, like your beautiful children or something outside of the particular situation. And I also want to acknowledge right up front, which I do in the ch- first chapter of my book, where I'm talking more about the everyday resentments, not the more traumatic kinds. So because my background is in philosophy and this argument is really more around the things that happen on our everyday basis that really cause us perhaps trauma, but not the ones that are resulting from violence or mm-hmm. um, abuse or these other kinds of larger, more traumatic ones, even though lots of people have said to me that this work relates to this, it's not really solving it at that level because I want to acknowledge to your listeners who might be trying to practice in that perspective that this might be out of the scope of this kind of dialogue So starting with a small everyday resentment, for example, your partner not doing their fair share of the housework or (laughs) or, um, the neighbour next door who won't quieten their barking dog or uh, the the fact that an employee was promoted ahead of you even though you and everyone else knows that you're the better candidate. Um, one in one uh, workshop, I had a really um, experienced professor who was in, who was quite traumatized by the fact that his daughters didn't close the pantry door, even though he asked them to do that many many times. So to him, it was a real mark of disrespect. Right. So these <clears throat> these things can be really small, but 
to actually acknowledge that we have resentment is really hard and so therefore we hide it. And the more we're trying to practice gratitude and the more we're kind of putting out to the world, I'm a grateful person, yeah. the more we might try to hide our resentment and that's, that can be the worst thing we can do for resentment because it wins when it's hidden. So, um, and it lurks deep in our subconscious and causes havoc to our relationships and our decision-making and our everyday health. So one of the most powerful things to do is to bring it out into the open and to acknowledge, yes, I have resentment. And in my research, the naming it up and giving it a name and going, oh, that's what it is, this murky, stuck feeling that's making me ruminate at night and lingers and and I can't get rid of, then it's it's surely resentment. Um, and unfortunately, it hasn't really been named up enough in our everyday language. And in this push to be, as I said, this push to be a nice person, we might be not able to kind of go there. So going there and putting it on the table for discussion yeah. is a really wonderful strategy. And then my book also also outlines the underlying causes of resentment. So to go really deeply into what might have caused it can also help with that naming process. And then step by step to recognise that um, the, the, the strategies for moving on are, are, are grounded often in gratitude. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not there as a therapist and I'm not there only writing a book on gratitude, on, on resentment. I'm writing a book on the interplay between resentment and gratitude. So I provide a whole lot of strategies where gratitude could really help. But first of all, we need to get it out, out and name it up and go, yeah, that's me. <laughs> we'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. Friends, do you ever wish that you had a way to be reminded to be grateful every day? I know that I need daily reminders to practice gratitude. And so what I've done to help myself and you remember to be grateful every day is I've started sharing daily gratitude reminders on my Instagram account. If you're not already following me on Instagram, you can find me at Julie C.M. Boyer. That's J-U-L-I-E-C-M like Mary, B-O-Y-E-R. Or you can search Wake Up With Gratitude to find me on Instagram. I do have a second account where I share my photography, and you're welcome to follow me there as well. However, the daily gratitude prompts will be shared on my main account every day. I know that it helps me if I see a visual reminder to be grateful every day. So I'm using the photos that I've taken all over Vancouver Island and using them as a backdrop for my words of gratitude. I'd love to see you over on Instagram. Let's get back to the podcast episode. You know, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing flashes of my own life for sure in what you're saying, and I, I it's really interesting. You talk about naming the resentment and and giving it a name and these little microaggressions. I think we call them like every day. It's just like something little, but over time, it's like it becomes like it almost becomes like a, a festering wound. It's like it's a little thing every day, every day, every day. But something really, I something came to me while you were speaking about this. You're not just, it's not just a book about naming resentment and talking about resentment, but it's also a book about gratitude. And it made me think of, um, you know, when someone is in debt, for example, 
do they keep just paying down their debt or are they saving at the same time? And that's kind of how I feel about this. It's like you're paying the debt, meaning you're paying attention to the resentment. You're trying to work through that. But at the same time, you're adding to the the gratitude bank account. You're adding to that. You're building that practice. So the two are happening at the same time, because if we just did the one, we just focused all our energy over here. Then we just, we sit here. We're not getting, like you said, we're not doing the steps to move ahead. And if we only do the savings, the good part, the gratitude, then and we never ignore that. Like you said, it, it, it eventually it comes up right? Yeah. and it probably doesn't come up in the way that we think it does. Right. It's probably, it comes up, it's like some random fight somewhere and it turns out it was years of resentment and we just didn't know it. So yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you've got you've got it really worked out. Julie. Well, I just this all literally. I'm like, <laughs> it's this, a very good metaphor. I got this download while you were talking, and it just all of a sudden it really made sense to me. So mm. obviously, what you're sharing is it's powerful. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So then, okay. So then, let's just like get into the, a little bit of the nitty gritty here. Um, you know, how can we? wake up grateful? How can we do that mm. while we're working through this resentment, while we're experiencing it? How do we still wake up grateful? I think we we can be focusing on the, 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 the there's two really big picture answers to this question that come okay. to mind. The first one is that this book and my work is really all about character about growing our character and growing ourselves as human beings. And if we have that as our primary goal in life, and to me that's where the gold is and that's where the health and well-being and waking up grateful lies is in this commitment to every day, what can I do to become a better person? And to recognise that a really clear answer to that is that we've got to let go of our resentment. And, and another really clear answer is we can do that by growing our gratitude. But the really core reason, we need to look more deeply as to why would I do this? Like uh, in my audiences, I inevitably have someone saying, I love my resentment. I don't want to let it go. It's been with me. It's been my friend for 18 years since my husband left me and had a, had an affair. So um, it, it can become pathologized and and we can kind of say sit with this level of mediocrity in our lives where we're kind of putting up with that state. So waking up grateful is really to me saying, yeah, but that's not helping me become a better person. Mm. And so I do really need to work on it. And so if we have that in mind when we wake up and that's got a really lovely goal to it, then no matter what the rubbish is or the toxic stuff is inside us that we can see, it, because we're paying attention to it, to it and doing our work, then it, it, it will have a really, really energising effect waking up. And then the other larger picture for my work is that gratitude is a highly relational concept to me. So it's not just about making ourselves feel grateful. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, it, that's a really great first start, first step. But to me, it's not what I call deep gratitude. Until gratitude is expressed to someone who we feel we need to express gratitude to, and this isn't necessarily in a reciprocal way. <clears throat> right. So, 
a teacher at a school, for example, might be really grateful to be teaching at that school, but they then might express gratitude by greeting the students in the morning with a heart of gratitude. So it's not a tit for tat. But to me, gratitude is about relationships and it helps relationships really flourish. And also, I really believe that without gratitude, we can't have healthy relationships. So what we tend to do from my observation is that we express gratitude to those relationships where it's easy to express gratitude Mm -hmm. and we push those ones that are really difficult to the side But I don't really believe we're going to really flourish as a society, as a world, um, moving towards world peace and harmony, unless we take difficult relationships in our lives one by one and work on them to be more grateful and, and bring them from our outer circle back into our inner circle, one by one, step by step, gratitude practice by gratitude practice. So I think waking up grateful is to is to really pay attention to our relationships as well. You are so wise. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm like, all like my, my mind is just um, trying to absorb everything. I'm just, I'm excited to like, listen back to my own interview with you because the way you speak about gratitude and like you said, this expression of gratitude without an expectation of return. And I think, um, that makes sense. I mean, of course, that if you're if you're giving out gratitude, expecting someone to share it back, it, like it doesn't, it's not how it works, and and then it's not coming from a, a very, a very honorable place or a very like you said that being showing up as a better version of yourself as a, at a as a better human being. If you're waiting for someone to like express it back, right? So that that's a big one for sure. Just allowing the gratitude to. And reaching out for those more difficult relationships. And that's very timely. You know, we're in a tough time. Mm. Um, You and I both live in countries that have been through a lot during this pandemic and a lot of rules and regulations that have upset a lot of people and broken a lot of relationships, myself included. I've, you know, had a lot of broken relationships. And what you just said made me pause for a little bit and made me you know, think of, yeah, these, these broken relationships and where I can find gratitude and appreciation in that. That's the tough one. It's a tough one, but I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you admit that and can name up where we need to go next. I think in the midst of this pandemic, we need to go back to restoring and repairing and not writing off those relationships because of our resentment about what happened. And gratitude has an amazing capacity to help us remember the good and so if we're really grateful we we can that it will naturally come back to us what we had with this person so we can revive that and start living that now and and you know honest conversations are also really important in in the midst of this and part of my book I've got a book called Uh, sorry, I've got a chapter in this book called Speaking Up About Our Grievances. Mm. So resentment isn't only necessarily doing our own work. It it often involves having those hard hard conversations, Mm. um, getting rid of resentment, but we need to do that within an atmosphere of gratitude. So we can't just do that if we're still feeling resentment because they'll feel that from us and then there'll be this, you know, war between us again and 
And so we we kind of need to do our work first before we actually have those conversations. But to put those conversations back into the centre and say, I'm not going to leave it here mm-hmm. because so many people say to me, yeah, well, my friendship groups change now or a group of people that I've known for 30 years, I no longer meet with them anymore because of our stance on vaccination or whatever. Um, and that to me is taking us way back. Like I believe that, you know, nothing happens for a reason. So I think the pandemic came to us to teach us, metaphorically speaking, to teach us how to live and coexist with each other more harmoniously. Mm. And if what the outcome is that we've actually done the opposite, you know, that's just that's just a really big waste of an opportunity to really change and become better human beings so I'm really passionate about this work at this time and I of course I started this book way before the pandemic happened I think that's why it has great relevance because it can help us answer those questions at this time and just on that thing about reciprocity I would like to go back to that if you don't mind Julie because many people kind of know that intellectually that they know okay gratitude isn't about getting something in return But living that is actually harder because most of our society is locked into this exchange paradigm, isn't it, where we do something, we get something back. So principals in my workshops, for example, book clubs, they that one of them, you know, one of them writes, decides to write letters of gratitude to the parents as a gratitude practice and then they get nothing back in return. So they come back the next week and they go, Carrie, this gratitude practice is not working for me because none of the parents wrote back to me. So we often see the measure of our success of gratitude in the outcome for the other person, but actually we need to see that in terms of ourselves and how it made us feel better. This is, it's very interesting. I'm I'm thinking about relationships and things that have changed over the past couple of years. So is there, so is there a place for gratitude for a relationship that is not healthy to bring back? So um, Mm. the other person remains very toxic or narcissistic or abusive. um, And is there a place for gratitude for me, the person who is maybe on the receiving end of this or was, you know, on the opposite end of a very toxic relationship? Is there a place in my journey, in my healing to express gratitude, maybe not directly to the person, but to do some work around that relationship without necessarily ever having that person back in our life? Yeah, I am really glad you brought that that up because that's such an important part of this whole thing is to do this in a really practical, realistic, sensible way. Yeah. So it's not like it's not about taking relationships that are way out of our comfort zone and applying all of this to them. We might need to put that in in the too hard basket for the time being. Mm-hmm. And central to this and central to my book is a whole chapter on self gratitude. Okay. And Self-gratitude, you, you, we need to keep on asking, what would self-gratitude say? So self-gratitude has healthy boundaries. It has a really clear sense that for me personally, bringing this person into my life, even into my thinking at the moment, is going to cause me harm. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to really be grateful to myself today and think about pe- think about bringing one relationship that's a little bit out of my comfort zone <clears throat> back into my orbit 
not yeah. something that's really extreme. And I think we need to build up our own self-gratitude before we can even then be grateful to the other person. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I think also with time to be grateful for what they've taught us, the learning that we've gained. Because if we're not doing that, we can often recreate the same kind of relationship because oh, we're gosh. still coming from a place of self-resentment rather than yeah. self-gratitude. And also we haven't learned the lesson that we needed to learn, unfortunately. So from my experience, because oh, that's happened yeah. to me, I've yeah. kind of run away from one partner and then created another one that seemed to be really different but wasn't. Same with the workplace. So I've learned that the hard way. So, yeah, I, I think that it's very important that we uh, we do this in a really practical, sensible, self-loving way. Yeah. I What you said there about the lesson, you know, when I was going through, I went through a really hard time. I'm I'm estranged from my parents and that's actually a good thing. That's where it's where we need to be. And I'm actually happy about that. Uh, but going through um, several years, a very difficult time with my parents. And I, because I've done a lot of personal development work and I live in this world, I remember seeing myself, I'm like, what am I learning here? <laughs> Where's the lesson here? You know, and in, but it is hard to be in it. And sometimes you have to be in it. And then, you know, the lesson is coming. But like you said, if you never acknowledge the lesson in this situation, then it just keeps coming back in a different way with a different person. And often more seriously, you know, the lesson is taught in a more serious way the next time it comes back. So I think we, I don't want to gloss over that, what you said, because I learned that. I don't remember who from or where I first heard it, but maybe someone's listening today and they're in a situation and, and they're maybe they're, or they've just gotten out of something that is unhealthy or dangerous and they forget to find the lesson and yes, do the self-gratitude like work, like you said, but if we forget if we forget that bit, we we find ourselves in a lot of trouble, for sure. Yes, and and again, that's why character development is central to all this work, Julie, yeah. isn't it? Yes, that that, we, that 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 we would be keeping on asking ourselves. We would wake up asking ourselves, "What would I be learning? What would I? What do I need to learn today about this pain in my life? What's it teaching me?" But also to be really gentle with ourselves in this because that question can really, is more powerfully and more um, sort of compassionately answered when we when we were kind of through a bit of the pain. Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're swimming around in it, it's really hard to ask that question because we do feel a victim and we possibly are a victim of someone else's wrongdoing and... So it's hard to take ownership of our part in what we needed to learn from that. Like, did we stay longer than we should? Um, did we, is this saying something more about the way we treated ourselves? Whatever. Yeah. Um, that that's We need to be gentle with ourselves about when we ask the question, don't you think? I agree. And, you know, I continued my gratitude practice. I kept doing my gratitude practices while going through some of these really difficult times. And sometimes I would say that I am grateful and it would be something really negative. And I would say it to remind myself, like, I am grateful for this terrible thing that's happening right now, because later I will look back and remember a lesson that mm-hmm. I learned from that. So that that's where I was like able to find gratitude. Now I, like you, you know, I've been in this gratitude world for about a dozen years now, not to the same, I don't research like you do at all. I just 
do, I just live in it and work in it and, you know, do my best to share it as much as I can. So, but I feel like over time, of course, we become better able to have live in both worlds, but I I have a question for you that, um, I want to kind of go back to, so you mentioned when you were, you were starting this work with your students and, and teaching them gratitude and starting your, your, you know, doing that at the beginning of your teachings and stuff. And you said, you noticed that your own gratitude wasn't there. You weren't showing up in gratitude for you. Do you remember what were kind of the first gratitude practices that you started in your own life? Yes. <laughs> so this is in the first two pages of my book, actually. Oh, okay. I have not read the book yet. So there you go. <laughs> okay. So I, I recognized my students are always my best teachers. Yeah. They are really my best teachers. I owe, owe much of my wisdom to them. So I've been in teaching an academic for 30 years or so. And anyway, this was when, when one of the gratitude practices, ad hoc gratitude practices that we did was to write a letter of gratitude to our parents. We, first of all, we explored what we're most grateful for. And they would say, often they would say their parents most of them would say their parents but I didn't have that kind of relationship with my mother so I was really shocked into realizing that their gratitude was actually much deeper than my own gratitude in reality even though I saw even though I thought that they were spoiled complaining brats to begin with I actually saw that they were actually more grateful in the way they lived their lives than I was and also I was recognizing that even though I was saying gratitude's really important. I fundamentally knew that in my heart and wisdom, it didn't go from my head to my heart. It was just in my head, this cognitive kind of sense of gratitude, but it wasn't really deeply felt gratitude. And that really troubled me. And so I was also a lot of part of the gratitude, express gratitude for I'm grateful to my parents. I'd get my students to write gratitude letters to their parents if they wanted to. And then I thought, oh, I better write a letter of gratitude to my mother. And I, in that time, I recognized because we'd had a very strained relationship. It was one that was marked by resentment. And I just um, started to write about how I was grateful for my life. And and I recognised that I'd never actually thanked, I hadn't thanked my mother for as long as I could remember for anything because of the resent, the resentment was, was the major narrative in our lives. And just in that, my heart just melted and I cried and cried and then I was able to thank her for my, because of her I had my life, my daughter, my love of teaching, et cetera. And then I sent that letter to her and uh I went and saw her a couple of weeks later and she hugged me for the we both hugged each other in a way that we'd never we hadn't hugged for a very long time and she thanked me for the letter and said that she felt better than she'd felt in years and I said I felt the same and from then on I started to feel deep I started to really feel gratitude deep inside me So that's one answer to your question. Another answer is that if I'm full of resentment, like I'm complaining and and backbiting in my in the staff room, and then I go into this into the without my own state of preparedness, I go into the classroom without really preparing my being. 
I can really see that that creates a really negative atmosphere, like the inner attitude that the teacher brings has a huge impact on the atmosphere in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So we can be talking about gratitude and getting our students to be grateful, but because figuratively speaking, the, the, the teacher is the upstream of the students. If students, if the teacher's innermost attitude of resentment is flowing down to the students, that will bring out their resentment. Right. And similarly, if the teacher's innermost attitude is flowing down to the students, that will bring out their gratitudes. It has that much impact yeah. on a vibrational level and in the, the joy you bring and, you know, you can't fake that. So I realised I needed to really practice a state of preparedness by preparing my inner attitude of gratitude before I went into the classroom and it really made a big difference. Isn't that true though for so many situations, right? Wherever we show up, it's like wherever you show up, there you are. Yes. Right? And so you decide what state you show up in. I Oh my goodness. Okay. We honestly, I could talk to you for the next three hours. But with respect to your time and our listeners' time, I am going to wrap up this incredibly powerful interview. I just, I so appreciate your wisdom. And I, I, I actually feel like you didn't know that you're calling me out on some of my own ways that my gratitude practice can be really deepened and some of the things that I need to work on. And I so appreciate that. And so your book is called Untangling You. How can I be grateful when I feel so resentful? Where is the best place for people to find you, to connect with you? Is the, the book I assume is a wor- available worldwide through booksellers? Yes. The book book's available worldwide through right. booksellers and you can get it on Amazon. And if you do buy it on Amazon and you like it, I would love your listeners to write a review, please. Because <laughs> that would encourage more people to read it. Yes. Um, and you can make contact with me through my website and I'd love your listeners to do so. Uh, and I've got a lot of resources, a lot of blogs and other, um, you know, gratitude practices and things up yeah. on my website. So my website is www.kerryhowes.com. So... Um, that would be really lovely to hear. And you can sign up for my regular newsletter as well. Yes, absolutely. I think you are truly one of the world leaders in this field. You're steeped in it. I feel it when I'm around you. It's so enjoyable to learn from you. I feel so blessed that um, I've had this time with you today and I get to share you with our audience. So thank you so much, Dr. Carey. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me too, Julie. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. Welcome to The End Secret, where I share a little bit of personal information just as a thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast. This week, one of my business partners and I went out to do a photo shoot to have new pictures for some of the programs we'll be running and, of course, to update our websites. We were talking about the fact that she didn't remember if she'd ever done a photo shoot before, and I shared the story about how I had my very first photo shoot when I was only 13 years old. When I was a young teen, I decided that I wanted to get into acting and modeling, so I had to have headshots done, and back in the day, I had a beautifully permed head of hair. So I have these great photos, I promise I still have one lying around, of me with this beautiful permed hair. They were black and white. They had all my details on the back of the photo, just like you would for any modeling headshots. 
Now, I ended up going on a few auditions here and there for a couple of commercials, but I never actually got any work. So my career as a model and actress was very short-lived. So the question is, if I can locate said photo, should I share it on social media? You let me know. Listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.